Life Audio. Welcome to the Real Refreshment Podcast. Join us as we dive into motherhood at the foot of the throne with your host, Rachel Carmen. If you are tired, overwhelmed, and feeling alone, this is the place for you. A place for real moms with real stories, seeking real refreshment found only in the living God. Take a minute to visit rachelcarmen.com and join the community of Real Refreshment listeners who are taking the dare to be in the Word as a top priority in the journey of motherhood. All right, let's kick off this latest episode of the Real Refreshment Podcast. Here's your host, Rachel Carmen. Hey there, moms, listeners. It is great to be with you today. I'm so excited today. We are going to begin a new series that we're going to do consecutively this month, and it's on the title of, are you ready for it? Because it's a really long wordy title. I'm known for those. Attention, obsessive, compulsive, perfectionist, control freaks, chill out. And we'll get right to it after this. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now, in 2024, there's a new edition, the Faith in Action Edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories, and digital resources that help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotional prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. Y'all, we all got weaknesses. It's okay. Just acknowledge what those weaknesses are and be willing to confront them. Even when restoration doesn't work, forgiveness always does. Chris, how did you overcome the whole passive husband thing? I let him through it. (laughs) (laughs) There is work for us to do. It is not just sit back and cross my arms and just kind of wait for God to drop the miracle. Hey, y'all, it's Dana Shea. For real faith-based marriage advice, be sure to tune into Real Relationship Talk on lifeaudio.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, I hope I have your attention with that really super long title. I developed this presentation years ago now. In fact, I was going through all of my speaking notebooks from this last speaking season for myself and refiling everything. And I was planning out this year a podcast. This is one of the presentations that is always the most popular when I do a conference. It is the most consistently chosen by organizers who book me to come and speak. And I always have to condense this presentation into either 45 minutes or 50 minutes. And it is almost impossible to do that and really cover the material. But it is one of the most fun presentations I ever do too. We laugh and as excited as I am to share this with you on the podcast, I'm a little apprehensive because I have visual aids for this and we really 
get into it together as an audience. I'll also mention that knowing that we're going to talk about the idea of obsessive, compulsive, perfectionist, control freaks, it's always fun to see how people come into the room. Because some people come in into the room to discuss this topic, sort of like, yeah, I'm here. What about it? And other people come into the room like they hope no one notices they're there. So it's kind of a funny compilation of people. If I were to ask people individually, some people are ready to take copious notes because they really know that this is a problem for them and they need help. And other people are very quick to say, look, I'm here for someone else. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Anyway, whatever reason you're going to listen to this series, I'm going to bet that either you identify with what I've already said, you understand what it's like to have obsessive compulsive perfectionist control freak tendencies, or you're raising someone who does that, or you married someone who does that. Or maybe you have a dear friend who suffers from this that you're going to take notes for. For whatever reason, I really believe that there's something here for all of us, right? And so, welcome. It's going to end up being a five-part series. I take the two words, chill out, as an acrostic and use them for the outline. So today, we're just going to do the introduction portion and we'll do C. And then I've divided the rest of the letters out for the other four episodes. But this presentation was born out of my years and years as a homeschool mom, counseling other homeschool moms. My husband and I had the opportunity to serve on the board for North Carolinians from Home Education for about 12 years. And in that role and in my speaking, I had the opportunity to have conversations, sometimes very enthusiastic and energetic conversations with homeschool moms, and sometimes very stressful and tear-filled conversations with homeschool moms. But over and over, I saw a pattern emerge, and that was the ones that quit usually did so because they couldn't chill out. And so this is actually why I developed this talk. And there were two things overall that I saw over and over and over. And that was the people that quit, it wasn't usually because they didn't believe in homeschooling and what it was doing for them and what it was doing for their kids. But it was, they couldn't allow God to be God. And really closely related, they felt like they had to do it all for him instead of him doing it. And that's really the rub. And I don't think you have to be a homeschool mom for this to apply. This is true for you and me as moms, as wise, as friends, as volunteers, as employees, employers. This is something I think as women, and obviously it can apply to men too, that we tend to try to do it all, all the time. And we fall into these patterns and we we give up on things. We do things poorly. I have an actual list here. Um, I think we end up overthinking things. We get stuck in indecision because our, we let our fears rule instead of our faith leading us. We overvalue what other people think, right? And so we go with trends instead of truth. We tend to overcommit, 
right? And so we sacrifice and neglect what's really important just so that we can impress other people. We get overwrought. We get just stressed and anxious and worried, right? And we can't, we can't let it go. And then all of that is together makes for this nasty breeding ground for us to become sort of a nightmare person to live with, right? And we become impatient because we overreact to things, because we're over everything, right? And so that's what this is what we're trying to avoid as we talk about this. So when I talk about attention, like listen up, right? That's a phrase from scripture, listen, listen, listen. That is So it's a great study if you want to look at that in scripture. But that's what I'm saying is attention. If you tend to be obsessive-compulsive, perfectionist, and control freaks, then this is for you, or if you have one in your life, right? Now, here's my caveat. I'm not talking about any of these things in a clinical way, in in meaning if you are clinically obsessive-compulsive or perfectionistic or a control freak, there's help for you. This is not that. Clinical diagnosis of any of those would constitute a person who is unable to function normally on a daily basis because they are so OCD. That's not what I'm talking about here. And I think we all know the difference, right? I'm talking about you just have these tendencies, right? And so now I want to look at each one of those individually and do a better definition of what I mean, right? Because it's all in the definitions. Make sure we're on the right page, the same page, before we go forward into the acrostic itself. So if you go over to rachelcarbon.com, I have created a beautiful, you're welcome, chart for the these things. And across the top, it says mindset, which would be obsessive compulsive or perfectionistic or control freak. Next column is how that mindset manifests itself. The third column is what that mindset is all about. And the fourth column is that mindset makes other people feel blank. So you can go over there now or perhaps later. That's again at rachelcarmen.com and look up that chart for you. But we're going to look at that chart right now again so that we can be on the same page with these definitions. So we're going to start with obsessive compulsive. The mindset of obsessive compulsive is do, 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 do. You're doing all the time. Because it's all about being productive and efficient. And get this, you make other people feel lazy. So, true confession, I need to say that I have suffered and I am a recovering obsessive-compulsive perfectionist control freak. Nasty combination, I can relate to all of these. But this one specifically, this first one, obsessive-compulsive, this is like at the end of the day, your husband comes home from work, and you're in the kitchen preparing dinner, you've got the kids settled somewhere, let's imagine, (laughs) play along, and you're just trying to finish up dinner, and your husband has the audacity to come into the room and sit down. That's, I mean, he's just sitting down. And you are just coming out of your skin. Does he not realize that the laundry needs to be folded, that the dog needs to be taken out, that there's trash that needs to be cleaned, that the dishes need to be put away? I haven't even got, does he not 
here's the deal, mom. Your house doesn't scream at anybody like it screams at you. All of those things that you have in your head that need to get done, he doesn't hear them. But that doesn't make him a bad person. And it doesn't make him lazy. But when you function in this realm of obsessive compulsive and you're all about doing all the time and it's all about being productive and efficient, you make him feel lazy. And that's not a blessing. Mindset number two, perfectionists. A perfectionist mindset manifests itself as everything has to be just so all the time. And I mean all the time. Everything has to be just so all the time. The pillows have to be karate chopped. You know what I'm talking about, right? Because it's all about image. And you make other people feel, when you function in a perfectionist mindset, you make other people feel incompetent because they can't do it to your standard. They can never do it right. It's never enough. Are you hearing me? So if you suffer in this perfectionistic round, then you want your kids to help you around the house, but you frustrate them. Because generally kids want to be with mom, especially when they're little and when they're coming up. And the whole key, mom, if you've got littles, the key is to cultivate that wanting to help you thing and not to kill it. Because you can kill it. And you kill it by making other people feel incompetent. It's never enough. It's never right. Okay? Third, control freak. Control freakism, I'm making up words today, manifests itself as there's only one way, and that would be my way. There's only one way, and that's my way. Okay, I get it. You could fold a towel more than one way, but that's not my way. My way is this way, and that's the only way you can do it. Because it's all about being right and being in control. I know I'm speaking to somebody, right? It's all about being right. It's all about being in control. So it's a lot less about whether or not the towel is folded. And it's more about me getting my way. And unfortunately, if you function in the perfectionistic round, you end up making other people feel unnecessary, so if you're wa- if you're watching our chart, if you're looking at how we these different three different mindsets make other people feel, none of them are positive. We're making them feel lazy, incompetent, and unnecessary. Yikes! So, moms, I don't remember which Christian writer to attribute the following quote to. So I'm going to apologize in advance for not remembering. But I remember reading one Christian author talking to mom specifically, and she said she characterized moms as the thermostat of their home. And that's true. And and we don't have to like that. There are a lot of things in life we don't have to like, and we can wish they were a different way, but it doesn't make them any less true. And moms, that's true. I, one of the adages that I really don't like is if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. And I don't like it because I feel like far too often it gives moms permission to cop a lousy attitude selfishly and manipulate husbands and children into allowing her to run things. And I think that's not a good thing. That's certainly not the biblical mandate for being a good wife or a mother. So I don't like it. 
But it's true, and we can capitalize on that for the positive and show our husbands and our children what it looks like to serve the Lord with gladness, or we can capitalize it on the negative, and we can run a household based on our moods and our feelings. And I'm going to suggest to you that's not honoring of God. So when we come right back, I'm going to give you a couple of stories that illustrate this, and we're going to dive right in to see for Chill Out. In the past decade, the Action Bible has helped millions of kids across the world better understand the stories of the Bible. Through vivid illustrations and fast-paced stories, children have engaged in God's Word like never before. Now, in 2024, there's a new edition, the Faith in Action edition with enhanced features. The Action Bible Faith in Action Edition has a new color design, 230 Bible stories, and digital resources that help kids grow in the knowledge of God's Word. These resources include hundreds of devotional prayers, timelines, maps, Bible facts, teaching videos, activities, and more. Additionally, kids will learn about seven major themes of the Bible. These themes include courage, faith, hope, love, service, trust, and wisdom. The Faith in Action Edition is the most complete illustrated Bible for kids. You can purchase your copy today of the Action Bible Faith in Action Edition at Sam's Club, Barnes & Noble, ChristianBook.com, or wherever books are sold. Scripture and brain science agree. Meditating on God's Word transforms us and reduces stress in our lives. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God a scripture meditation podcast. And each week I give you space to hear God's word, listen to the spirit and pray about what's on your heart. And then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com. Okay, so I promised two stories that illustrate this. I'm going to do them really quickly. The first one is a story that I love to tell again when I do this live, and I am available for live events if you have a women's retreat or anything like that. But when I do this in a live setting at a conference, I usually have like a hand towel, And I tell a story about when my youngest son, we always had responsibilities for all of the kids growing up. I feel like it's, if you want to build self-esteem into your children, you create a family atmosphere and culture wherein everyone contributes. And you build your self-esteem because you're contributing to the team. You're contributing to the family. Everybody's working together. Not just because I'm telling you you're a nice person or a good person without any hard work on your part, but because you're actually working diligently to contribute to the whole. So in a family context, that might be setting the table or putting away the dishes or rotating the laundry. Or in my youngest son's instance, he was responsible for folding the kitchen towels. And in a family of nine, seven children and two parents, I figured out early that the best strategy for kitchen towels was to have a lot of them. And so in the morning, his morning responsibility was to fold all the kitchen towels. And he came over to me one morning and he basically initiated a contest. He said, mom, And his little boy voice, I think he might have been three or four. Do you want to have a contest on who can fold the most kitchen towels? And I, and I, and noticed immediately 
that Ben was not really concerned about folding the kitchen towels. He just wanted time with me. And so that's one of those little things, Mom. We need to make sure that we are tuned in enough with our children to be able to read between the lines. So immediately I'm like, okay, I get it. Okay, yeah, let's do that. Let's have a contest. And so we're sitting there, and he said, I've already divided the towels. Yours are over there, and mine are over here. And so we start our contest. And really all he wanted to do was talk to me. So we start in, and he's just talk, 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 talk. And I happen to believe that there's a certain way to fold a kitchen towel. And so I am folding the kitchen towel with the seams on the inside and the tag tucked and every all of the four corners match. And my little stack of kitchen towels is just picture perfect. It could be in Pottery Barn magazine, right? I am looking across over at his pile of kitchen towels and the tags are not tucked, nor are the corners matching. And for a moment... I could not hear anything he was saying to me because all those tags were waving at me across the room going, nah, 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 right? And I was at a crisis moment in silence right there. Was I going to just come unglued? Was I going to make him feel lazy, incompetent, and unnecessary because he couldn't match the corners of a kitchen towel? Or was I going to let it go? Was I going to let it go? Now... Sometimes when I give this presentation, I am accused of not having a standard of excellence in my home or for my children, and that's not true. I really do believe we intuitively know the difference between establishing and maintaining a standard of quality and excellence in our home and obsessing. I think we know the difference. And at this moment, I needed to let it go. The second story that I love to tell is I arrived at a conference one time with a baby in tow and a couple of kids, and I was keynoting, and I discovered as I was getting dressed that morning to go and present the keynote address that my shoes for my outfit did not match. No kidding. No kidding. I had a navy one, and I had a black one, and I literally wanted to sit down and cry. Upon noticing that my shoes were not going to match for the keynote, I began calculating in my mind how long it would take me to go to a local shoe store and get a pair of matching shoes, and if I could get back before my first session. And as I was thinking that through, thinking through all the details that Davis would need to watch the kids and I would need to run out in the rental car and get this and get back and dun 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 I could sense that the Holy Spirit was saying, hmm, I think you just need to let that go. I think you just need to let it go because, P.S., I kind of think it makes your point, Right? Mom, you and I have those moments where the God of the universe is daring us to let it go, to let it go. And so that's what this whole presentation is going to be about. I want to invite you then to get out your pen and your paper or your outline, maybe your Bible, and let's dive into our first letter. It is C. I have eight action items for you and what it means to chill out, to overcome your obsessive, compulsive, perfectionist tendencies, to stop making people in your life, your husband and your children, feel lazy, incompetent, 
and unnecessary, and to start to let go of things that really don't matter. So C, change the way you think. I have a verse for each one of our eight points, our eight action items. Our first verse is Romans 12, 1 through 2. I will read it to you, and then we're going to take it apart and see what the Word of God has for us. Therefore, Paul is writing, this is the doctrinal background backbone of the New Testament. Therefore, I urge you, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Change the way you think. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Okay, I hope you can see there is so much here for us to talk about, so much for us to consider, such a challenging passage, but we need to begin with the fact that we are starting our verse, Romans 12, 1 through 2, with a therefore, and biblical scholars will say, we got to back up and find out what the therefore is. Therefore, I know it sounds cheesy, but it's true. Let's do an outline quickly of the book of Romans. Five points, sin, salvation, sanctification, sovereignty, and service. That's your five-point outline for the book of Romans. Again, the doctrinal backbone of the New Testament. So let's start with sin. I love that the Apostle Paul starts with the issue of sin. I want to say right here and now, there's an issue with sin. We are all sinners, and Paul makes that point right at the beginning of this book of Romans. He makes it very clear that the issue is sin, and that we have no excuse. God's presence, His creation, is evidenced everywhere, everywhere, and we are without excuse. Listener, if you are in a church that refuses to discuss the reality of sin, run, don't walk, and find a new church. Because if we are not willing to face the reality that we have a sin problem, not just as humans, human beings, passed down from Adam all the way down, if we are unwilling to admit that we have a sin issue as human beings and as individuals, then here's the deal. We don't need a Savior. We don't need a savior if we don't have a problem. And that's what Paul makes clear here in Romans 1 through chapter 3, verse 20. We are without excuse. And then second point in the Romans outline, salvation, chapter 3, 21 through chapter 5, is a free gift, justification. Just if I had never sinned, right? So the righteousness of Christ... In the words of John the Baptist, behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, sin whole, singular, whole, all of the sin of the world. Behold the Lamb of God, the perfect Lamb of God. In the Old Testament, you had the sacrificial system with the lambs that were given for sacrifice, and it just rolled everything over. What you need to know is Jesus was not plan B for God. He was the Lamb of God slain from the foundation of the world. 
He wasn't an afterthought. God didn't get to the New Testament, right, and go, wow, that didn't work very well over there in the Old Testament. We need to come up with a plan. Let's see. Hmm, hmm. Okay, I know we could send. That's not how it happened. This was God's plan. The whole purpose of the Old Testament was to show us that we couldn't. We couldn't. No amount of blood from lambs and goats was ever ever going to pay the price for our sin. It only ever rolled it forward. Only ever. But in the person of Jesus Christ, his sacrifice on the crossbeam of Calvary, it is enough. Sufficient. Once for all. A free gift. And his righteousness is imputed for you and me. That justification, when we accept his cross payment for our sin, justification is instant. But then we step into the process of sanctification, point three on your outline. And sanctification is a process by which we become what we've been declared. We've been declared righteous because of the perfect blood of the perfect Lamb of God on Calvary's cross. We've been declared righteous. But now we enter into a process of sanctification by which we become righteous. Leviticus 19.2 tells us to be holy for I, the Lord your God, am holy. And that's what the process of sanctification is. It's becoming holy. We're not instantly holy. We're not instantly righteous. His righteousness is instantly imputed. But then through sanctification, we have this transformation. And in Romans 8, 1, it says, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set us free from the law of sin and death. That is the process of sanctification. Point four in Romans, sovereignty over all of this is God. God is sovereign over all things. He is enthroned. He sits on the throne over all things. And Paul writes this in chapter 11, 33 through 36. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and unfathomable his ways. He's sovereign over all things. And we know that he works all things together for our good. Finally, Service. And this is chapter 12 through the end of the book of Romans. And this is actually in this fifth point of the outline. This is actually where our verses fit for this point. Change the way you think. And that is this service. And it's not we have to serve because we got to do enough because we could never do enough. It's a chasm. Sin creates such a chasm. There is no way for you or I to span that. No amount of good works, nothing but the cross of Jesus Christ can do that. Our service to him then is not got to, not have to, but get to but ought to. It's an outplay of our gratefulness because we get who God is, because we get what he's done in the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. We serve. We serve. This journey is bigger than us, and it's never supposed to be about us. When we start thinking this is about us, we have entered into a very dangerous place because it is not about us. So now, 
Now, with that outline in mind, let's back up and now look at our verse again. I see that there are three things for us to do, and you're going to need to take more time because we really can't do this justice. There are three things, according to Romans 12, 1 and 2, that we are charged with doing. First, to offer our bodies. And what he means here is our our whole selves. If you're a mom, you know what it's like to offer your body. You know what it's like to carry a child within you, right? You're offering your body, right? You're nursing from your body. You're offering your body. But anytime we serve anyone, our husbands, our community, our, our fellow Christians, we're offering our bodies, our whole selves. Offer your bodies, Paul writes. Second, stop conforming to the world. The implication in this admonition is that we've been conforming. You and I want to fit in. We want to fit in. We don't want to stand out. And Paul's like, yeah, no, stop doing that. Stop conforming to the pattern of this world. How? By the renewing of your mind. Renew your mind. You got to change the way you think. If you're going to chill out, if you're going to break out of all of these things that the world says you should do, all of these image things, all of this productivity obsession, all of this efficiency, right? All of these image on social media, maintaining all of this. If we're going to break out of that, which Paul tells us here we should do, we got to change the way we think. We got to renew our minds. We got to renew our minds. We can't keep thinking the way the world thinks. We've got to be transformed. He says then this problem, this promise. There are two results of renewing our mind, stopping our confirmation to the world, and offering our bodies to the sacrifice of serving the world. Two results are that we will be able to test and approve what God's will is. Do you want to know what God's will is in your life? I know I do. And I'm not going to know what God's will is for my life as long as I'm running after the standards of this world, as long as I'm allowing the world to set my mind, as long as I want to conform to the world, as long as I'm chasing after everything in this world, I'm not going to know what the will of God is. But I will be able to test and approve what God's will is. When I do what? When I follow hard after God. When I offer my body as a living sacrifice to Him. When I intentionally stop conforming to the world. And when I intentionally renew my mind by transforming it into the image of His Son. Finally, he gives us three characteristics of the will of God. God's will is these three things, and I'm going to dare you to believe these. I'm going to dare you to believe these because here's the temptation. Here is the device that the enemy is using right now quite successfully in culture and in churches. And that is we got to follow our feelings. And we must abandon that lie for the truth of God's will and his word. Here Paul writes that there are three characteristics of God's will. And these are three characteristics of God's will that you and I have the opportunity to trust by faith to be true, that God's will is good. 
God's will is pleasing. And God's will is perfect. God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. Look, if we are going to chill out, if we are going to dare to become the people that God has planned for us to be, people that honor him, that love him, that serve neighbor and die to self, then we've got to change the way we think. We'll pick up there next time in our series, Chill Out. I'll see you then. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. If you have a question or comment, we invite you to send it to info at rachelcarmen.com. And while you're at Rachel's website, check out her wonderful resources, including the Word in Motion Bible Curriculum. We want to take a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on the podcast. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. Moms, more than ever, we really do need each other. We need to be challenged, and we need accountability in the Word. Thanks for joining us, and we'll catch you in the next episode of The Real Refreshment Podcast. You're fearfully and wonderfully made. God looks at your heart, not your gene size. Do you know the verses yet still stress over your body? Oh, I get it. I was raised in church, but I struggled with food, eating disorders, and my body for decades. I'm Heather Creekmore, host of the Compared To You podcast, where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective. We get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most. Whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale, Compared To Who is the show for you. You'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot. If you're ready to stop comparing and start living, visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe.